Hello, Roy here. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to The Roy Green Show ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. We don't want to provide any tactical advantage to the Taliban or to others who may uh, try to bring harm to uh, those those who are remaining in Afghanistan. And, and by getting into too much detail, uh, we're essentially uh, tipping our hand as to how much progress we're making uh, with regards to the operation and who may be left uh, still to, to resettle in Canada. Uh, I'm not sure what he said. That's the immigration minister, Mendocino. I, I just, it's just a, it's a word salad. Meaningless. We don't want to tip our hand because we don't want to tell the Taliban what we're doing. What are you doing? Oh, yeah, you don't want to tip your hand. And I understand that part of it. You don't want to make operational plans public. I get that. But you've done nothing for years. You've had every opportunity to move to bring the interpreters who worked with Canada's military during the NATO mission. You've had years to bring them to this country. Years. And it's not as though you haven't been reminded We've done it on this program. My colleague Charles Adler on the Chorus Radio Network has done it. Our good friend Joe Warmington at the Toronto Sun, who got us all talking about the interpreters 12 years ago. It's not like you haven't had time. And it's not as though it hasn't been successive governments. We're not just picking on Trudeau here. They've all had opportunity, and they've done nothing. Governments have done nothing. The opposition parties have sat on their fat little fingers and done nothing. No, I haven't seen their fingers. I shouldn't comment. It's not politically correct. Um, they've done nothing. When it clearly needed to be done. So now we wait until the very last second when the Americans pull out of Afghanistan the last to leave, and the Taliban comes sweeping in behind them. And who did the Taliban want? They want to get anybody who's helped the NATO countries during the long war. And who was on the front lines with our troops, the Afghan interpreters? And what have we heard from our frontline troops, veterans, on this program? about those Afghan interpreters, how they saved Canadian lives, how they not only knew the language, but they knew the customs, they knew the territory, they knew what to do, and they passed it on, and they saved Canadian lives. And here we are, firing out word salads about things we're doing. What is, what's happened so far? Have I lost count, or has there been one airplane from Afghanistan with largely embassy personnel? So what are we going to do now? Oh, yeah. Can't tell us. This is very serious, life-threatening reality. These interpreters face death from the Taliban who want to get them. We called him left behind, Alex. And we spoke with him for at least five years, maybe longer. Periodically, we touch base with him on the air. He talked to us from Afghanistan. And he'd tell us of the fear and the threats, the threats he'd received, other interpreters had received, third-party threats. We're going to find you. We're going to kill you from the Taliban and other insurgent groups. Alex did manage to get out of Afghanistan because he did a lot of paperwork chased a lot of paper trails, 
and he was able to get himself into the United States. He still wants to come to Canada. By the way, Minister, you could send a plane to the United States and pick up Alex and bring him here. Another photo opportunity for you. Just think about that. That should do it. That's all you need, an opportunity and another photo op. Am I a little cynical here? Possibly. Left behind Alex. His name is Sajid. How are you, Sajid? Hey, how's it going, my friend, Rose? Oh, thank you very much for me. I mean, thank you for having me in your program. So you, you, you guys are doing a good job. I don't know how to thank you guys. You don't have to thank us. You know, when we hear our military veterans say, through General Dean Milner, who was the last Canadian commanding officer in Afghanistan, saying that the, the veterans consider the Afghan interpreters to be comrades in arms, you're one of them. That's what they say. They want you here because you're all together. So thank you for what you did. And please tell us, uh, Sajid, how desperate is the situation in Afghanistan right now for the interpreters who are still there? So thank you very much for the question. Really good question. Here's the answer. So uh, I have to tell you the situation is really critical right now. The interpreters that they are still in there, especially those individuals uh, who served on the front lines, they wore the cap uniforms. So right now they are living in hiding. I know there was a plane that came to Canada. And I don't want to say something bad, but they brought a bunch of couch potatoes, you know what I'm saying? Because they were working for the embassy. Doesn't make sense. What about those who served on the front lines? What about those who sacrificed, who risked their lives, you know? They have families. Right now, they are, they are running, they're hiding, they're surviving. I'm, I'm in touch with hundreds of, I mean, hundreds of uh, those interpreters. They're left behind. What happened to Alam Khan? What happened to Hidari? Like, why, why weren't they on the plane? They could have been there, like, easier or even earlier than the plane that just, I mean, London and Canada. So they, they are suffering right now. If and my question is to Justin Trudeau, Harjit Sajin, and the immigration minister, uh, if you want to fast track them, please do it now. You could have even done it before, but right now, please help them, take them out of there before they get killed by the Taliban. It's a really critical situation. It's insufferable. I know. I understand because uh, the people who were in Afghanistan, I mean, who were deployed, they know what I'm talking about. They know the situation. Right now, there is no time. There's, uh, I mean, everything is done for the interpreters. The Taliban are looking for these individuals and their families everywhere. People were saying, like, Kabul is safe. No, it's not safe at all because I've seen people being assassinated by the Taliban. And these interpreters are under threat, serious threat. They have to be taken out as soon as possible. Because if they're not, it's just a question of time before they're caught. Yeah. There is no question. There is no hesitation on killing them and their families. They're going to put a bullet in their head. Or maybe they're going to be tortured to death. I want that to sink in with people. And we've been talking about this for years. There was ample opportunity. Since 2015, my friend. Yeah. Since 2015. Is that the first time you were on the air with me, 2015? Wow. That was uh, Steve Morales from Global News, yeah. another uh, yeah 
Cambrai. And you've been on with uh, with my friend and colleague Charles Adler, and of course you know Joel Warmington very yes, well. Joel Warmington, yeah. You guys are all doing a good job. You know, uh, I received a phone call. I see. I received emails from my CAF mentors. Uh, they're trying to write down a letter for me. Uh, I mean, I mean, on behalf of me, and send it to the Trudeau's administration or the immigra- immigration minister. Uh, they're trying to take me out of, out of here because uh, I've tried. I struggled a lot to come to Canada. And now it's even easier because I'm in the United States. You no, know, I, I can just cross the border. But I don't want to just cross because there should be a difference between the uh, border crossers and those who serve the uniform on the front line. Most definitely. Uh, you, you, you worry about your family in Afghanistan, exactly. right? Yes. They are in Afghanistan. They were in Himland province. I took them out. I took them to Kabul. They're not even safe. They're living in hiding. My parents, I couldn't, I couldn't take them with me to the United States because uh, the FIV, official immigration visa for the United States, didn't have uh, that opportunity or chance or that option that I could include my parents and my younger brother. So that's why I just left them behind. Now I call them left behind by me because I couldn't take them. But I count on Canadians and the Canadian authorities are going to help me out uh, through this paperwork and stuff. And there was a demonstration in uh, British Columbia uh, a couple of weeks ago, and Jim Zakam participated in that uh, because he was also worried about his uh, family. And the rest of the interpreters and also uh, Canadians joined this demonstration to take these families out of Afghanistan, out of farms. So I hope there is there will be a bright future. There will be a green light for uh, the yeah. interpreters that they can have their families out of there. Greg is in Delta, British Columbia. Hi, Greg. Hey, I'll- Go ahead, Greg. You're on the air. Hey, hi. Uh, yeah, like, uh, I'm just a private citizen, but I come from a long, long line of military family that uh, served in the war. But anyway, uh, what can you do for these guys? What can a private citizen do for them? Uh, one of the things you can do is you can get onto your member of parliament. You know, this is going to sound like a broken record. I know. I understand that. <laughs> but, cool. right, it's, it's, it's just, we shouldn't have to do this. They told nope. us, right? I mean, they told us we had three ministers, Mendocino, Garno, and, uh, and, and Sajid. They all, they held a news conference two weeks ago talking about what they were going to do and how they were going to get the interpreters here. We've had one plane, and it's been largely embassy personnel. So the interpreters are still there facing what they're facing. And what we hear from the Minister of Immigration and Citizenship is, well, we can't tell you what we're doing because it's operational plans. What operational plans? Yeah. Well... I got a good buddy that did two tours over there, and he told me how much he liked the Afghan people. So I'll be writing a letter if that's all I can do for now. But let's let, let, let their God be with them. That's all I can see. Thank you, thank you, Greg. I appreciate that. Good to hear, eh, Sajad? When you get that kind of support, Sajad. Yes. Good to hear that level of support, huh? Yeah, very, very good. Absolutely. This guy's doing a good job, you know. Yeah. Here's uh, so here's just, uh, yeah, go ahead. No, I said here's Robert in Hamilton, Ontario. Um, Robert, what do you want to say to Sajat? Why don't you why don't you speak to him directly? Well, I, I think I'm sorry that it's, this is the way it's gone and uh, and it's not indicative of the average person in Canada. It's really not. They they see this as a black and white thing. They need help, they helped us. We have to reciprocate the help. 
period. Okay? There, yep. There's no real red or white or black or red. I don't give a crap about any of that. These people helped our, our military people in the field. We have to reciprocate that kindness. If we don't do that, everybody that's a superior needs to be fired. Appreciate your call, sir. Thank you very much. Thanks very much. Yeah. Uh, Sajid, you, uh, you had friends. Uh, interpreters died uh, on military patrols, yes? Yes. Yes, uh, I have a bad news as well. There was one interpreter who got killed just a few days ago in Helmand Province. If you're not avail- uh, I mean, aware of the Helmand Province, I have to tell you that Lashkarga, the district center, was invaded by the Taliban, and one interpreter got killed because the Taliban looked after him. I can't tell his name because his family is going to be in danger. Uh, his family escaped. They went somewhere safer. But his son, he's no longer alive. He got killed. Thank. Uh, hold on. Uh, Barbara in uh, North Vancouver. Barbara, you have a personal history in the military? Um, all, my, <clears throat> all my uncles were in the service during the Second World War. And then I have a, uh, my cousin's son went to Afghanistan about two years ago. And he came back, which was good. But uh, I, just, I just feel that uh, it's, it's too late for letter writing. I think we should all uh, call on our MPs, and either in person sure, or by why phone. Not? Why not? I mean, I, I, this is serious, and uh, I, I just feel really disappointed. Do you know what disappoints me? That we don't have people who are actually standing up uh, members of parliament, exclusive of their, their parties, getting up publicly and saying, "We have to get on this." They're all they're all they're all in their little corrals, and they stay together like uh, they're so well behaved. They do what their leaders and their caucus bosses tell them to do. You know, instead of they should just get up and do the right thing and say the right thing. Well, we certainly need it. Yes, so we can just. Uh, it's just disappointing. I, I think. Uh, People are just too into themselves with all this uh, uh, COVID situation. Okay. They're not thinking about the world and people who are suffering like that. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Barbara. Um, let me get Tony on. Uh, Tony, what are you doing with the phone lines now, guys? Quit messing well, Roy, you know, I was, I was sitting in the park a couple of weeks ago, and I was, I was happy that they're going to bring these guys back here and look after them. I think that's great. Absolutely fantastic. But why would they advertise it on the radio when this should be a classified thing? You shouldn't even know about this. Nobody should know about this. Now it's been advertised. These Taliban, they're they're very, very clever people. They can infiltrate any country, regardless of security. Now, I think they've just caused a bit of trouble for these people by advertising it so much. Yeah, so you don't think they should have said anything at all? Oh, of course not, Roy. The only way you win a war is to win a war is, is a, no, no. a surprise. <laughs> no, but something had to be said. Because those... Yeah, but, but, hold on, hold on. I'll tell you why. Because the, the interpreters are spread out over entire Afghanistan. It's hard to get a hold of them. And one of the ways that you do that, Tony, is through public messaging. So they know where to go. That's one of the things that's done. Sajid, how, uh, what's the last thing? We have about 30 seconds here. What do you want to say? So I just got a hold of Alan Khan and Adari. They're doing okay. They're still asking for help. Uh, they're really worried, you know. They're horrified, terrified, and living over there. So I mean, you, you, are you, are you saying, are you just saying you've been in touch with them just now? 
Yeah, I just uh, recently I got a hold of them through another friend of mine. Okay. He talked to them. They're doing okay, but they're asking for help, immediate help. If you want to hear more, subscribe to The Roy Green Show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you find your favorites. And if you like what you hear, leave us a review and tell a friend. I'm Roy Green. Have a great weekend. 